Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino, who just let out a big <laughs> yawn. Well, so I just got really... Yawning all of a sudden. Apparently, the bye week did not rest you up. Well, clearly, because mm. you was that a yawn or a silent roar? Come on, Chris, sell it. Oh yeah, that's that's a good idea. But no, I'm just gonna have to stick with the yawn. And side note, programming note: I don't, I don't want to talk a lot. Got my wisdom teeth out. You did. It wasn't a very restful bye week. I'm for you. still a little sore on the left side, so I'm gonna let you guys kind of carry this one, if okay. that's okay. I'm that's just gonna be different. All I'm running on is liquids. And baked beans. That's all I can eat right now. So I'm very weak. Don't want to talk a lot. So Why take it away, baked guys. Beans? Because baked beans are slimy. Oh. And they can just slide down your gullet. You gotta get that white bean puree. Yeah. Mama. Good good stuff. <laughs> yeah. All I had was baked beans. So Okay. Good to know. Well, like I said, it's we're coming off the bye week. So we're gonna take a comprehensive look at USC's first half of the twenty twenty one season. We're gonna have some uh, six game stock up, stock down. We're going to answer some questions that you have. And then I believe, Chrissy T, despite your your uh, excuses that you are tired or whatnot, you brought a full take or leave First of all, I don't have excuses. Not excuses. <laughs> valid, valid reasons. You said excuses. I don't know why I did. I'm I don't know why I'm talking. I'm not talking this episode. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just resting. So last episode you weren't funny. In this episode you're just not talking? Uh, yeah. Okay. I think that's I think that's a great representation of what has happened these last two weeks cool as a reminder you can send us uh, submissions or questions to the pod at familyfeudpod at gmail.com you can also look out for a tweet from shock and spratling usually on tuesdays in the morning that's when we record so be sure to do that we love hearing from you guys like i said we're coming off a of bye week we sound very tired for a group that should have been rested but you know Chris, let's out another yawn. This is three right now. I don't know what's happening. It's okay. It's it's that time of year. Okay. Yawn tracker. Yawn tracker. That's true. Uh, so we got some stock up. I don't know if it was hard for you guys to come up with some stock up. There's some pretty obvious ones, but Shotgun, I'm going to toss it to you first. Stock uh, up who you got. I'm going to start with Clay McGuire, the offensive line coach. I think the offensive line is improved from where they were last year and definitely where they were in 2019. Now, are they great? No. Are they, you know, are they leading the team or anything? No. Have there been some rough patches? Definitely. And that's going to happen when you have two freshmen that had a handful of snaps in previous, uh, in last year, to come in, those two redshirt freshmen, and try to put them at both the tackle positions. But I think the interior linemen are playing really well. You know, it's kind of been up and down on the tackle spot, but I think the offensive line as a whole, you're not having those big communication breakdowns where, you know, you know, Keaton Slow was just taking huge hits or anything right up the middle like we had seen in the past in 2019. So I think that Clay McGuire has done a good job. 
with what he's been given. You know, it's not great, but I think it's much improved from where it was when he came in, and especially from 2019. I completely agree. I also really appreciate the effort that he gives that we can see in practice. Like, you and I have both noticed that every rep he has something to say to someone you know he's always involved always engaged and so uh i think it's i I definitely think i mean i've been on the clay mcguire beat (laughs) so this whole season not on purpose but it just ended up happening and you need to explain that one to people so after practice we always uh get to request people and i just started requesting clay mcguire i was the first i was in the first scrum that he had it as a trojan i guess trojan coach and so I asked like the majority of the questions that scrum and I was like, Oh, he kind of gave insightful answers. And I was like, I might as well go next week. And then I just kept going. And now I'm going to have a little bit of rapport where I can just kind of pick his brain a little bit on offensive line issues. So yeah, yeah. every week Keely interviews Clay McGuire basically. <laughs> so if we have any questions, they have to be filtered through Keely. I mean, like Keely, always... we need you to ask these questions for, if you guys want to take over the beat, you can, mm-hmm. but Keely's like, stay away. No, this, this is my territory. Not, not truly, but yes. <laughs> Chrissy D stock up who you got. I just wanted to add something quickly to that. Um, I kind of did mid-season grades, and I kind of graded the O-line as a C-plus around that that area. And I would say last year, you could tell, and I know maybe C-plus isn't the greatest grade, but I think that's where they're at. And compared to last year, that's a huge improvement. Because last year I, f- I had them like somewhere like maybe a D or something. They they were that bad or and that, that inconsistent. And that's with a first round pick at left tackle. That is with a first round pick at at left tackle. And you know through six games this year they've only allowed seven sacks, which is number tied for number two in the Pac-12. Six games last year, twenty four sacks. So Ooh. there is big improvement. And even with the PFF grades, you can see a lot of guys are mm-hmm. having big jumps in their grades. I know PFF grades are not the end all be all, but they're a nice little indicator. And I would be really, I would have been very curious to see what like an elite high end offensive line prospect would have looked like in this. If they had like, you know, a top four star tackle or a five star tackle in the wings that was waiting to take over the left tackle spot this year, what what it would look like. And yes, tackles have been consistent, but I have hope that down the stretch, they're going to get a little bit more consistent after getting, you know, the growing pains out through the first six games. But for my stock, that's what you initially threw it to me for. I had the run game, which kind of goes into play with everything going on here. USC obviously struggled last year. One of the bottom teams in the nation did not average over 100 yards per game last year, about 97.33 last year. Just 118, I think, just absolutely terrible, especially from a, a school that is known for producing rushing attacks and running backs. And this year... You know, it's not, you know, a top 25 rushing team, but they're they're in the top 100. They've made progress. I think they're sitting about at 130, 120, which is a development. You know, riding that Keontae Ingram, who's taken over as that lead back, I think they're a lot more potent. They've been a lot more efficient, and they've had a lot more big plays than they did a year ago. So all those things give me that that overall stock up. Yeah, I think the biggest thing and the thing that's been missing and still missing a little bit is that explosive play. But we've seen that last couple of games, which is a good indicator that you know hopefully they're they're starting to figure out ways to to get that. And I think that comes down to it's been the biggest single word used all season is finish. If they finish their blocks at the second level, some of those runs that are you know they're getting some quality ten to fifteen yard runs, but can those become twenty five, forty, fifty, eighty yard runs that can be game changers? 
And I think that's one of the things that has been missing. But we've seen a couple indicators the last couple of weeks. Now, one, it was Colorado, but they did have that that long run uh, by Keontae Ingram to get down inside the red zone. So, you know, 53-yard run there. And then he followed up last week, a 28-yard run against Utah to start off a drive. So, you know, I think that I actually had run game initially. I started to write that down. Then I was like, let me give credit to Clay McGuire uh, instead of just the run game. But I think he's definitely played into that. Um, They are being more efficient. I think that's a great word. And I think when they're running the ball is when their offense has been at best, at its best. So it's surprising to me to see them go away from the run game at times when it seems like that's been the key this season. When they're running the ball, they're staying more balanced. They've been a better offense, but you know they decide at a certain point, like, oh, we got to go away from this. We're down too many points in these home games that they keep losing uh, and get blown out. So uh, I think that's been a a downfall for the offense is when they decide to to just abandon the run because it's too late. We're we're behind by too many points when it doesn't seem like that to me. So this is an obvious one, but I had Drake London for stock up. At this point, he has 64 receptions for 832 yards and five touchdowns. He's the second leading receiver in the nation as far as yards per game. He's the first in the Pac-12. Now, this is a crazy stat I found. He leads the Pac-12 in yards from scrimmage. The next six players are running backs. Like, it's just he's a beast. We know it. We see it every day. I mean, Chris, I think you already have your program tweets each week on Saturdays for, you know, Drake London reactions because there's always something um, incredible that he's doing. You're just like, hey, okay, he leaped over a player. He had a blinded, one-handed catch at Colorado, you know. So I think he's just proven his stock, especially because, and we call this coming into the season, the chemistry with the wide receivers outside of Drake London is just not there. So USC has had to rely on him even more because of that. And he just proves how valuable he is anywhere in USC's offense in that sense. All right, Chris, I want you to think about this. What's your favorite Drake London stat? She just gave one. Uh, I think a very interesting one is that he's actually 17th in the nation in all-purpose yards, which usually that only goes to returners. Hey, you're you're a good player, but you also return the ball, and you know you're getting 25 yards each kickoff return. You know you're getting. 5, 10, 15 yards on a a punt return. You add those to your yardage totals, and it really adds up. He's 17th in the nation because he's averaging 139 receiving yards per game uh, or 139 all-purpose yards. A couple of those are are rushes in there uh, with some different things that they've done with him. But, you know, he's just been been phenomenal. I thought you would get a little more creative in what the stock up was, but I think it's just because it's so obvious. How did you take a shot at me in this? I, well, because I was like, how can I say Drake London without just saying Drake London? I think Blitnikoff candidacy is the way I put it. Um, okay, do you want your gold star shotgun? Yeah, I'll take my gold star. <laughs> okay. I'll take everyone I can get. Um, but yeah, he's been phenomenal this season, and it's he's been the offense. You know, when when in doubt, throw it to Drake London and see what he can do, and that's that's been the USC offense. But the fun part for me watching him is that he's doing it with screens, running through tackles. He's doing it going up over people. You know, he's just doing it in a number of different ways. Chris, what about you? What's your what's your favorite Drake London stat this season? Do you have one? Yes, I do. Okay. And I had to look at it real quick. It's it's his being it's him being one of the nation's leader in long receiving plays. Before the bye week, he was tied, I believe he was second in the nation or right off the pace for leading the whole country. In, in receptions of at least 10 yards. And he was the same and possibly first. I have to go back and look for receptions of 20 plus yards. So he's just like an automatic first down maker, <laughs> automatic chunk playmaker, you know, 
20 yard difference could be the difference between a, a, a getting in field goal range and not. So that's the kind of ability he has. And I had it as Drake London respect because I don't think okay. anyone was really talking about Drake London like that on the national level anywhere. He wasn't on, I, I, I couldn't really find him on any national like top 10 wide receiver lists going to see, going into the season any like draft hype lists list nothing like that maybe a couple but I almost wrote a story about how is Drake London just being totally undervalued going to this year and he was and now he's he's doing all these amazing things and we kind of all knew that he has this kind of ability and now you're starting to see him get that draft stock bump he's starting to pop up consistently on a you know the new mock drafts and th- and this past week is the first time he's actually surpassed the other Drake Drake Jackson in the in the mocks oh. CBS latest mock has him as number 21 to the New Orleans Saints would be a really good landing spot for him especially with that offense the way it passes so stocks stocks up for Drake stocks London on the round did you like mine better Drake London respect <laughs> stock I thought that was good it's not last place <laughs> <laughs> Visual vet, he just pointed at me. Wow. No. Did she see that? I thought I hit it. I thought I hit it. One other stat from Drake London uh, that is remarkable as far as his standing compared to everyone else is contested catches. Um, He's got 18 contested catches. This is a PFF stat. 18 contested catches. He's caught two-thirds of the contested balls. The next closest person in the entire nation has 10. So he has eight more. At one point, leading up, going into this last week, because USC had the bye week, but going into the last week, he had double as many as the next closest person. Wow. It's a cr- that's just crazy. And it's interesting because air raid receivers do not do well in PFF grades. Like Drake London, his, his overall grades have really not been, you know, not been at the same par as the way he's played, the way we think he's played the last two years. But he is one of the top-graded receivers. He's the top-graded Power 5 receiver right now, which tells you he's even breaking through that. And this isn't just a Drake London thing. Michael Pittman was a Blitnikoff finalist, and his overall grade was like 81. It was the lowest grade for um, the only person under, I think, 85 for a receiver that had been a Blitnikoff finalist in the last like four years. And then before that, the only people that had been under 85 were two other air raid receivers. So PFF just doesn't credit air raid receivers in the same way that it does some other, for whatever reason. I don't know the exact reasoning for everything and and the way they do their grades, but I think it's interesting that he's broken through that, you know, that kind of that barrier that this offense would normally place on receivers as far as that one little grade that they have. But um, it's interesting that he's just playing so well that no one can deny how dominant he's been. I thought that was an interesting point too, as far as the contested catches that when we were watching film study, one of the times about how his basketball skills, like he, he it's go for it. He it's different. Yeah. He just goes up and gets the ball. And you know, a lot of, a lot of um, uh, former basketball players or two sport athletes, Michael Trigg are very good at high pointing the ball because it's going up and grabbing a rebound. You have to go up over someone else and, and go make that play and secure the ball. But I think the, my favorite thing of this season was asking him what was his mentality, you know, when he has that one-on-one opportunity with a receiver, and he's like, "Go dunk!" I mean, with a cornerback, and he says, "Go dunk on him." And I was like, "That's a perfectly fitting response for a former basketball player." And I'll reiterate: when he came out of high school, I thought that he had the potential to be a pro in either sport, basketball or football. I thought he was really good on the basketball court too. And one of the assistant basketball coaches at the time told me he said. I don't know if we're going to get him. 
And I said, oh, that's interesting. He said, if he gets playing time his freshman year as, on the football field, he's going to blow up and we're not going to get him. And that is exactly what has played out in his career. Uh, so it's interesting. I wonder what would have happened if you know, he had a nagging ankle injury early in his football and didn't, you know, his football career and didn't play his freshman year very much. What happens then? Because, like I said, whichever sport, if he concentrated on one or the other, I thought he was going to eventually be a pro. And he's proving that. For sure that he's going to do that in football. We'll see where he goes in the in the in the draft uh, in in the spring. Yeah. Two quick things. You had an unfair advantage picking a favorite Drake London stack because you have PFF right in front of you. <laughs> you could just pick a litany of things. It probably breaks down one-handed catches with the sun to the east horizon <laughs> or games when the weather is above 50 degrees you have all these stats to choose from so i just want to point that out i don't think it has all those chris i have to break some of those down myself i don't know okay okay and then the other thing is how is that not how does he not have an nil deal for a silhouette of him high pointer boy that says just dunk on him how does (laughs) he not have that shirt out already i don't know family feud marketing services here to help here to help we can provide that yeah we can hold on um especially since you got the quote yeah um, true i mean you your voice was featured in a usc <laughs> athletics video it was the best that's, video they've done that's <laughs> silky sexy voice <laughs> i knew i recognized that voice Goodness as is being masked <laughs> at practice we all had a drink london point so i don't know who wants to take the next stock up go for it anyone i'll go with the, the other player that i think has really boosted his stock and i think it's under noticed, undervalued by fans is Tuli Tui Pelotu. Mm. I think he's been phenomenal there. I didn't actually have a player on here, but then I was thinking, I was like, there's no way I can't come up with something for Tuli. Um, he has been terrific. He's been so consistent. You know, other players have been up and down. Drake Jackson has had some phenomenal games. He got banged up in this Utah game and basically disappeared. Uh, whereas Tuli has just been consistently there every game. He's doing it in you know in the run game. He's doing it in the pass game, getting some pressures on the quarterbacks and stuff. So he's a guy. And again, that 2020 class, we you know we talk about how bad it is often, but he's one of the gems that has come from that class. And it was an underrated guy, you know, as a, you know, a three star prospect coming out of Lawndale. Everyone talked about his brother when he was you know when he was in high school up in Oregon, but. Thule has come on and been an absolute beast. And I thought Vic Soto telling me that it's a treat for him to have him in there and he's very lucky to have him in his room was very interesting with the other talented players that he also has in there. He said because he comes to work every single day, you know, he always has that mentality of trying to get better. And I think we've seen that from him since his Lawndale days to now. It's, it's been really fun to watch how much he's improved since his high school days. Yeah, I remember seeing him for the first time. I went to a game his senior year. It was like a homecoming game against Beverly Hills or something like that. And I remember looking at him and thinking, oh, my God, who let this college player on the field? He looked so big already. And you could just tell, like, his frame was incredible. His legs were already freaking massive. And he was just super, in my opinion, under-recruited in high school. You know, just the way he's playing, I think he could, pl- he could like, play in the big – the Big Ten, he could play in the SEC, but he didn't have those kind of offers coming out of high school. Maybe they just assumed, you know, Marlon's brother, he's not going to go far. USC, maybe that's why didn't, they didn't like mess with him like that. But I think he was undervalued as a three-star prospect, and I think he's showing that uh, this year, obviously. He's built on what he did last year. And, yeah, he, he's a stud. And I also had Thule on here because he deserves some respect or some love uh, for what he's doing uh, as a sophomore. Another obvious one? 
Sorry that it's not going to be a creative title, but I had stock up for Jackson Dart. There were, you know, Dart rumblings since fall camp and stuff like that. Um, and we heard that Dante Williams wanted to have him in packages once he took over as interim, but he got a larger chance than I think anyone expected against Washington State and did the most with it and really inspired the team, I think, as well. Um, and so, obviously, I think he got fans really excited for what the future of the quarterback uh, spot looks like. And so, stock up for Jackson Dart. I had I had a similar thing, but I had it for stock up on QB controversy just because sure. of how much hype Jackson had coming in, how he would deliver on that hype and like live scrimmage periods. And you're almost like, Oh, this guy, you know, I think has to get on the field in some capacity. And he was trending towards getting some packages, some, some usage, not, not necessarily starting over Keenan, but they were going to use him and, and what he can do with his legs. And then obviously he comes in Washington state balls out, has a couple turnovers, but doesn't matter. He's just so good. Uh, got the, got the offense to go to a new level. We haven't really seen them seen out of them this year, you know, with those deep throws, just some fearlessness playing down the field. And yeah, that was, if, if he hadn't been injured, there's, that's a huge what if of what the se- the rest of the season yeah. looks like. Um, so stock up on QB controversy and it's still bubbling now as he continues yeah. to get healthier. Yeah. And you know, who knows what, what's going to look like for the next couple of weeks. You mean the threads that are on our board saying that, okay, the day, now is the day. Today is the day <laughs> you're starting prep for Notre Dame. Jackson Dart needs to take all the first team reps. Is that what you mean? That is what I, that is somewhat <laughs> what I mean, yeah. Um, and I think people, USC fans, are only going to be further pushed to want to make that move when you look at Oklahoma and what Caleb Williams has done since coming in. But I do want to caution and say the one difference here. Spencer Rattler had struggled against Texas. He struggled in some other games, but he struggled against Texas. Caleb Williams came in and balled out against Texas. Keaton Slovis has not had a chance where he's struggled in a game. Jackson Dart's come in and taken over. That hasn't happened. Washington State, he was in for one drive. He got knocked out. So let me caution people that Jackson Dart did all his work against a Washington State team that Keaton Slovis put up better numbers against last year. So I still think that Keaton Slovis is your starter. And, you know, Graham Harrell, the relationship he has with Keaton Slovis, I don't think that's going to change his opinion on it. I think he talks about all the things that Slovis has done this year you know, as far as getting them in the right run plays and doing all that type of stuff. Now, does he trust Jackson Dart to do that? I don't think he does. But if Keaton Slovis is struggling in a game when Jackson Dart gets healthy and outside of the Dart package you go, we need a spark, if you're the USC offensive coaches, I think you go to Jackson Dart. And if he balls out, then I think that's when you start having that conversation. The fact that people are already trying to make that move already, I think, is is uh, premature. Yeah. Shout out to Caleb Williams. Bald. Piggy County boy. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. My goodness. I'm so sorry. A little sickness so over sorry. there? Yeah, just so, sorry. Got just some little... sickness. Oh, I wish I could like... From Gonzaga Prep in Washington, D.C. I coached him. <laughs> I was actually like, really? <laughs> I did. I don't want to believe you. I 1,000% he was on my swim team. I coached him when he was a little kid. <laughs> okay. 1,000%. You think I'm you joking? You promise? I, want, I can you show you the DMs with him right now. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You promise on Maryland. I promise on everything Maryland. <laughs> okay. It must be serious. So you taught him all his moves, basically. Swim moves, Senor Zach. Oh, my gosh. Full circle. L- literal swim moves. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> literal swim moves. <laughs> literal yes. swim moves. Um, I have a couple little, like, 
sprinkles on top for the stock up, if you will. Like some sprinkles. Yeah, like they're okay, they're yeah. not the main. You just want to throw out a bunch of yeah, rapid just fire like, ones. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. I had just a D-ditch on stock up, given that coming into the season. Did yeah, <laughs> I think you need to explain that, Chris. That's his nickname is Didi, and then if you watch Dexter's Laboratory, Dexter says Didi for his sister Didi. There's nothing to explain there. There's nothing to explain. <laughs> yes, so I had Justin Didi on stock up. I don't think we ex- we saw him kind of experiment at guard, but we were like, okay, is this actually going to work, or is he just going to be that second team center? And not only has he proved his worth, he's like considered an MVP in Clay McGuire's eyes and has value to the line. And for as much as USC has had to switch up things in that starting five, I think he's a valuable piece. So I had stock up for Justin Dietrich. I also had stock up for Kalen Bullock. I think that's a guy who he was a guy who in fall camp you kind of hear the rumblings of, hey, watch out for that freshman. Like they're they're they like him. They're you know, and that's only continued. And I've heard some things about the developmental scrimmage and and the safeties that we might see more Kalen Bullock going forward. So stock up for him. Chris, I had visibility of deficiencies. Ooh, that's a great one. <laughs> that's a great one. Because I believe that stock has risen. You know, we've talked about in the past, like, oh, USC hasn't recruited well in the offensive line. They've had struggles there. Um, I think we're seeing the areas of deficiency so much more this season. That's actually excellent. We've talked about how USC has, still has a ton of talent, and they do. There's a lot of talent. But there are specific areas where they have really struggled to recruit, and it's really shown up this year. And especially after you lose Brandon Peely to the Achilles injury, you lose Jay Toya to transfer, you don't have a nose tackle at all because Ishmael Sopcher has been injured. Just a huge gaping hole there. And the teams that have run downhill have run it right down USC's throat. And then because they're trying to invest so many resources to stopping the run up the middle, they've been giving up the edge a lot too. Uh, So I I think that you're seeing where they have struggled to recruit in the past. And offensive line, the fact that they have two redshirt freshman tackles, and they've been up and down. Hey, I want to give those guys credit because they shouldn't be in this situation. Those guys should be learning behind someone still. Um, And I think they could still become very good players at USC, but it's been a a work in progress. And that's what you're going to get when you have second year freshmen, you know, starting for you. So, but the areas of deficiency that we've seen kind of coming, you've been waiting for it. Like, is this going to hurt USC? Is this going to hurt USC? I think it's really showed itself so far this season, uh, especially in those three losses. I think it's been very evident where that they have struggled in the past, specifically with recruiting. Really good point, Shotgun. So that was a, a Chris special, a negative stock up. <laughs> it was stock up though. Those can happen. It's a, Chris. It's a turd wrapped in a fancy okay. wrapping paper. <laughs> Not exactly. When does that happen ever? Don't come to my house for Christmas. Stock up doesn't have to be positive. It's just just up. Up. Anything you have any else, more, Chris? This is, there we go. Uh, I just had quickly like USC being a good road team. You know they're two and zero on the road. Why are you laughing? Just because that's one way to look at it, yes. <laughs> They're 2-0 and on the road. Yeah. Undefeated on the road. Mm-hmm. Against two bad teams. Though Washington State had played well the last three games, who knows where they'll go from here after their head coach gets fired for cause, for not, apply, not complying with the vaccine mandate, and also four position coaches get fired. I don't know Crazy. what that team's going to do the rest of the season, but... I acknowledge, yes, that they are bad teams, but they do seem to play with a lot more focus than they do in the Coliseum. And it's made for an interesting storyline going into Notre Dame, their first good opponent on the road. Yeah. 
We shall see. I had one left, and that was I kind of want to bookend it. With, this is going to be my final stock up. Is young secondary. You know, I think Kalen Bullock, like you mentioned, has played really well at times. You know, he, he's made some big time plays and some plays that make you go, whew, that guy's going to be good. Uh, Jalen Smith, I think the limited opportunities he's had uh, is is definitely he stepped up. I mean, he's first game he gets some opportunities, first tackle. First game he gets, you know, more significant playing time against Washington State, first sack. And then he gets the next week he gets his first interception. He's a kid that's just a playmaker. You know, he, he just all the time he's he's always a guy that you got to keep your eye on. Even though he's a little bit undersized, he just seems to make plays all the time. Um, and, and I think some of those other young guys are coming along. On the flip side, my first stock down is old secondary because the guys that we expected to make a lot of plays in that secondary for them have not been doing it, whether that's the safeties. Uh, Isaiah Paul I don't think, has played very well. Um, Chase Williams, I think, has played fine, but, you know, we're still expecting him to take it to another level. And if some of those other guys around him were playing better, I think that you wouldn't look at him and say that guy's really played bad necessarily. I think that he's kind of caught in the middle. Greg Johnson has not played very well. He's missed nine tackles the last two games. That's just unacceptable. I think the cornerbacks outside of Isaac Taylor Stewart, I think Chris Steele has regressed this season. I think Isaac Taylor Stewart has played really well, and I think that's kind of underrated um, and, and kind of unnoticed by some fans because he struggled in that Stanford game. But the other four guys, the other four veterans in that secondary have not played up to their potential. Yeah, I had Chris Steele on Stockdown, just given the expectations we had coming into the season for him. Um, but I like how you you bookended your up and down to, you know, wiggle out of what goes in between stocking up and down. Mm. There's nothing in between. So why would I? There is. Why would I wiggle anything that is not there? Oh, it's there. It's Stock Neutral Nation, baby. We out here. We There's strong. nothing in between. It's just two pieces of bread. <laughs> stock Neutral Nation. I had two stock neutrals. One, and I think this is really good. <laughs> With a bo- with a boring okay, title. Stop, shush! Stop the yawning, people. Oh, four. Was that a real yawn? Yawn counter. No, he was <gasps> making oh, he fun was of. Oh, okay. stock neutral. Not real. I'll take that off the board. <laughs> Fan apathy. Stock neutral. You want to know why? Because there was a dip after the Stanford game. Helton gets fired. Fandom to the moon. She's saluting us. No, I'm not. <laughs> with. The fails that USC has had at home, Fan Apathy is back. So ultimately, I think it's up, but the the historic losses have made it down. So, so it's, it's gone neutral. up and down. It's stock neutral. And you just said, ultimately, it's up. And this down. This is a terrible. And down. You're just even... chilling on this. I'm going to let you guys handle this. Stock. Like attempts at stock neutral. Like this adults. is a terrible one. I like that one. Um, and well, then you I admit, had... ultimately, it's up. That's... No, You're no, admitting no. the you stock didn't up. Listen to the whole sentence. You said ultimately it's up. No. Ultimately it's up. Uh, I did want to throw student section on stock <laughs> up. I, did, I forgot about that. I, I thought about that on the on the drive down, but they've been rocking out. Section is a mess. It, it <laughs> is. It's going it all is. over the place. He went to stock down. You went to back to stock neutral. He's like, no, I'm going back to stock up. I can't deal with this. Yeah. I have one more. <laughs> oh, as my well. goodness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I had stock neutral for Gary Bryant because. I think he's emerged as like that second receiving option, kind of, although he is third in receiving yards for USC. Taj Washington is actually second. I don't know. He's that the injury kind of delayed what could be for him this season, but he has been a reliable second target. 
So it's like kind of a mixed bag, hence stock neutral. I just think they're not using them enough. In what sense? Just Scheme not getting, just, like just not getting enough looks. Just they're not getting enough looks, like enough deep shots towards him, or more creative ways to use him. But he does have four total touchdowns on the year, so yeah, it's three actually. When they get in he's the, he's got r- a rushing touchdown too. Oh my bad. Mm. Ooh, I do the stock. Don't 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 come at me. Oh no, I'm sorry. And a two point conversion, I believe as well. So don't come at both times. of us. Because <laughs> um, the the it was the Washington State one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I I think that. When you look at Gary Bryant, I think they are getting creative with him in the red zone. And I think that's where, you know, they were really struggling in the first couple of weeks. And then when Gary Bryant came back, the red zone issues kind of subsided a little bit. Now, Utah, they weren't great there. Uh, but I think that the deep shots is what's missing. Use that speed, get behind. They've thrown some deep shots to Taj Washington. Um, and they haven't really done that with Gary Bryant, and they haven't really done it over the middle. They haven't looked for those deep posts, which is, I think is something that I think is a little bit missing in this offense, which is something I think that Amon Ross St. Brown provided, and Drake London as well in, in the slot, you know, running that seam route. And you saw some of that from Michael Trigg, you know, the, the seam post, the, the slot fades, you know, different things there. Um, but without Michael Trigg right now for the foreseeable future, is there someone to provide that? And I think they could use speed to try to do that. They've been using big bodies, but speed isn't a weapon there. It's something I would like to see a little bit more with Gary Bryant and also Taj Washington. So in that sense, I had stock down and I titled it Fall Camp Wide Receivers just because in fall camp we were like, hey, Michael Jackson's getting some run. Oh, look at Joseph Manjack. Like I was all on the Manjack. Yeah, how's your Manjack like, stock doing? Okay, not great, okay. But, I'm in that pot with you, so I'm okay. not like, but I've taken losses before. You're yeah. looking at man investing tight ends. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, same. you had a little bit more return this year. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So I, I had stock down for fall camp wide receivers just because we saw more rotation. We saw a different like starting group than what we've seen in season this year. Um, and so I just think those guys that we thought could have a chance to really break out on the scene didn't really. Yeah, I think Michael Jackson was phenomenal in the spring. He's getting a lot of extra opportunities because of guys being injured and just the limited numbers that they had. We haven't seen him at all, basically. You know, he's played in two games by my count and only one snap in one of those games. Where has Kyle Ford been? Someone, I mean, he has graded out well on pro football focus. So when I put up the midseason grades, someone asked me, why is he not playing more? The only real answer I got is a shrug of my shoulders because I don't know. I don't know why you're not playing anymore. I mean, when he's been in there, he's been productive. Um, and that's one of the areas where they struggled. Other guys are not being productive. Does he know the playbook? He's been in it for three years i would assume he knows the playbook no one said that well he needs to learn the playbook more and he missed one game with the knee kind of flaring up on him but besides that he's been healthy so don't know where he's been taj washington came out on fire at the beginning of the fall camp he's had ups and downs i think they need to get him going because he can be dynamic especially if they get him going in that screen game a little bit more give him some opportunities other guys got to make some blocks as well on the outside that's something they've struggled with but, yeah, I can completely agree with this one. Just guys that we saw and said, hmm, this, okay, this may can work without having Tyler Vons and Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown and having those NFL, NFL, NFL guy is someone ready to step in and become that next guy, the next NFL player in the wide receiver position. Who's going to take over after Drake London leaves? And we saw in the fall, we're like, okay, that's a candidate, that's a candidate. And so far this season, it's been like, hmm, they're going to be in trouble next year. And this will, be, again, be the visibility to deficiencies. 
you haven't recruited locally really well in wide receivers like you had been doing until two years ago, basically. It's something they dominated in recruiting. That's why you got the Robert Woods and Marquise Lee, and you just stacked those guys on top and top and top. And they haven't done it recently. And you go, it could be bad next year if some of these guys don't take a step forward, start catching the ball more consistently, um, and making some more plays. And their defense losing Brew McCoy was not part of the plans, and True. I wonder what it would look like because he would be, you know, the guy you look to. He would be obviously put could be putting up pretty good numbers at this point in the season. So take a lot of pressure off Drake, but obviously that was not in the plans of him having an off-field issue that, you know, has kept him off the team. Chrissy T, stop oh, down. Yeah, I was trying to do that to get it away from me, but I guess that didn't <laughs> But we got to really return work. it yeah, back to you, yes. Right. Boomerang. I had run game, run defense. I was like, wait a Run minute. game, yeah. Run, run game, other people. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of how it worded. But USC's run defense has been so inconsistent. You know, they're really struggling against good teams that can run the ball, and they can, you know, prey on bad bad, bad offenses that can run the ball. You know, what they did with Colorado, completely shut them down, made them one-dimensional. But, you know, against Oregon State, against Utah, just hasn't looked pretty. Stanford, so they're getting beat up by these teams that, that are good and they can run the ball. And obviously, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the lack of a true nose tackle has really, really hurt them. And you didn't mention it with the deficiencies, but they've also just been hit with some bad luck as well. You know, losing Brandon Peely to an Achilles tear, that's just that's just really bad luck. Getting an Alabama transfer, Ishmael Sopcher, he just needed double leg surgery for the compartment syndrome. And then the whole wildness with Jay Toya, something that's sort of a little bit unprecedented, you know, going in the portal after having a really good spring and then going to the rival across the street. You know, he would be starting right now. So it just just a lot of bad luck. And you, you're right. They could have recruited a little bit more depth there. But it's just been all over the place. And But the second half of the season could be maybe a little bit better just because, you know, Softer seems like he's the healthiest he's been since he arrived. So, you know, there's reason that maybe if you want to buy into the dip, buy a little bit of that run defense stock a little bit, you know, you could, could get, get some return there in the second half of the season. So I got a scam call. <laughs> Stay on me. Um, I had, and I, I hate having like individual players on. You're, you're leading the, the pack in individuals. I, it's bad. I, sorry. I don't know. Um, I had Jalen McKenzie on Stockdown just because he's a guy who coming into this season, we thought, okay, it's a redshirt senior. He has 14 starts under his belt. That's a guy who should lock up some starting job. And he's been kind of the guy who gets swapped out for, and I mean, Jonah Monheim has kind of taken that spot. And now he played well in, against Washington State, but I think we just expected more from him given his seniority. Absolutely. You know, everything you just said, seniority, experience, that was somebody they could they could lean on in a, an offensive line in transition after losing a first-round draft pick in uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Not saying McKenzie was expected to be a first-round draft pick, but obviously experience matters, in especially offensive line, and they had a bunch of experienced guys coming back. Um, but yeah, just hasn't really planned uh, panned out for him in his in his redshirt season, redshirt senior season. To stick on the offensive side, I got offensive adjustments. I mean, USC has done a lot of different things this year, which I think are good. Their game planning has been adjusted. I think those are positive. Their in-game adjustments, though, 
their first quarter versus second and third quarters are just, you know, it's a completely different team. You know, they're just not making the same, they're not making good in-game adjustments or making in-game adjustments quick enough to counter what defenses are doing against them. And I think it's just resulting in you're seeing USC come out and play pretty well in the first quarter and sometimes through the second quarter, but the third quarter has been abysmal on both sides of the ball. And I think it starts with not making more offensive adjustments and teams, you know, maybe they've seen USC's offense and they know what USC can do and they're going reverting back to their, you know, their tried and true plays and the, the mesh play that they run all the time and the certain plays that they do. And teams are like, okay, we know how to defend that. We've been working on that all week. Whereas, you know, two years ago in 2019, it might have been new to them to try to defend. It, it, whatever the reason is, the offense has really, really struggled once defenses have made their adjustments to USC stuff and once USC kind of runs out of new plays that they've installed that week. Chrissy T. I, like you said, don't like doing individuals, but I have an individual, unfortunately, and that is Isaiah Polamau. Um, I don't think anyone really expected him to be struggling like he has been through the first half of the season. You know, he is a two-time captain. Uh, he made the decision to come back for, for another year after last season, which he could have easily, you know, tested the waters, gone into the the NFL draft. Um, all Pac-12 caliber guy. So it's just been sort of like shocking how much he has struggled. And, you know, Craig Nivar talked a little bit about this uh, last week, just how he's just kind of lost some confidence right now. And, he's you know, he needs to get over that. He's... The safeties overall aren't playing well, and when your leader back there isn't confident and has struggled, you know it kind of sets the tone for the whole group. And you know, shotgun, you were in that that scrum, but that's just that's just a glaring issue right now for that defense and that back end having you know one of your your veteran guys not playing well. Yeah, I think he's the one guy that if he takes if he bounces back in the second half, he's the one player that will make the biggest impact if he bounces back. You know, bad first half, can you bounce back and recover during the second half, put a bunch of good tape on, you know, in the second half, and I think that he can re-up his stock. But I think the team overall, if any one player jumps back to their potential, I think it's him that will will change the team dynamic the most. Well put. I have one more, and it's obvious, and I think we've mentioned this a lot on our individual pods i had home atmosphere <clears throat> i think you said the aura or something the other week Shotgun. <laughs> the coliseum aura the that's coliseum true. aura just because i mean i haven't seen just games at the coliseum be this abysmal back to back to back it is just weird um and i can only imagine what it's like for usc fans so i just had stock down on that because you know the whole protect our house protect the collie that's just out the window this season so far yeah i think expectations i, I think that's one of the ones that i had um Chris, you may want to jump in on, on the, the Coliseum, but just expectations overall. Like even this season when they came in, you go, well, they got some areas where they could struggle, but they could still – like this schedule sets up really well for them. They should be able to – you know, this could be a potential – and people were before the season going fan, – fans that were not Clay Helton fans, USC fans that didn't like Clay Helton were going, oh, no, are they going to make it to the Pac-12 championship and maybe even win that because their schedule is so easy? The expectations now are like, can they beat anyone? You know, Arizona is a team they're going to beat. But other than that, are they going to be able to win any more games? Are they going to be able to get bowl eligible? Whereas before the season is like, you know, they might go 11-1. and They could even go undefeated with the talent they have, blah, blah, blah. 
and that has not been the case at all. I, I think I had much higher expectations for this team, and we're seeing that those deficiencies have really you know reared their head, as well as some other things. Um, but you know, even when I, when Clay Hilton was fired, they were like, "Well, we think we can salvage the season," and. I kind of agree with that. Like, yeah, if they turn some things around, they be more accountable. Some of the things Dante Williams initially talked about, yeah, maybe they can turn this around. But it has not been the case. So I think the expectations for this team right now are whew, are down. And I don't know about the program overall. We'll see when the new head coach is, is, is higher. But at least for this season, the expectations are way, way, way stocked down compared to where they were before the season. USC, it's interesting. USC has the talent to win out every game on their schedule, but they also have like the whole vibe of the team right now is like, will they even get to six wins? That's how it is. You have to look hard for those six wins, even though we know talent, talent wise, they can win every game on the rest of their schedule. So it's very weird. It's a very weird dynamic. Yeah. Which I think leads me to my final stock down. Oh, nice transition. Transitions are hard. Transitions are hard. He's making it look easy. Which is team chemistry. Ooh, that's a good one. Team chemistry is huge in college football and pretty much all sports, but particularly college football when you have 100 players on a team. When, if everyone's pulling in the same direction, you have a much different team than if some people are upset in the locker room or some people are, what is it, should I transfer? I don't know if the new coach is going to like me. Do I have a better opportunity somewhere else? You know, these coaches, you know, is there a Texas versus California thing going on in the locker room? You know, those type of, there's a lot of chemistry issues. They've kind of been, you know, kind of hear things. You're like, eh, is that an issue or not? And it just seems like more and more things are bubbling up. And you can see the way some players don't get helped up on the field. Or some players, you know, are complaining on the sideline. Or a, a veteran comes over and says, hey, come, we're going to cheer on the offense now. And you still sit on the bench. You know, things like that are indicative of issue, bigger issues in the locker room. And if, you know, taking – Instance by instance, you go, eh, maybe that's something, maybe it's not. It's probably not anything. But then you start seeing these things one after another, after another, after another, and the way they're playing, and it doesn't seem like they're always playing for each other, that tells me there's chemistry issues in there. Even though, you know, I I think that the defensive staff has really tried to push things, um, it just just feels divided. It it feels divided as a team that – you know, it's sometimes it's the 11 guys are on the field and you got the rest of the guys on the bench. It doesn't feel like they're playing for that that group that's on the bench or they're playing for, you know, the name that's on the back of the jersey versus the one that's on the front. You know, the old saying, obviously, that doesn't work at USC. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it feels like some people are out for their own and, you know, it's not everyone's trying to do their best. And I think you see that sometimes, too, when coaches talk about they're just trying too hard. They're trying to do too much. Uh, Craig Nivar said, you know, what do you guys got to do to play better? Not try to do everyone else's job. You know, rely on just doing your job, doing your 111th, and being trusting that the other 10 guys on the field are going to do their job. And it feels like some guys are like, no, I got to do something else, or I got to make this big play, instead of just, you know, realizing if I do my part, everyone else is going to do their part, and we'll all, you know, it'll be successful. They don't trust that that's going to happen. And I think that all comes back to team chemistry. Well done, Shotty. I'm being very nice to you on your points today, Shotgun. It's a little <laughs> weird. I guess that's what happens when you actually do well on this podcast. Just kidding. That's a shotgun mm. comment. That's a shotgun comment. Wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Alrighty, let's transition into some questions. This one's a fun one, and it's from Gomez in Bakersfield. He says, hello, Family Feud. Question for the gang. It's a four-wide receiver set. 
and your wide receivers are Robert Woods, Marquise Lee, Michael Pittman, and Drake London. Who's receiver number one, and where are they being placed in the formation? Your quarterback is Sam Darnold. Thank you for your guys' great work, and fight on Gomez in Bakersfield. Ooh, that's a really good question. I told you. Lee, Pitt outside, London. Robert Woods? Woods inside. Yeah, I think that's what I would go with, too. Um, because Robert Woods is so dynamic in the slot already, um, Marquise Lee has the speed to stretch the defense. You use the big body of Pittman on the other side. I would obviously put uh, London and Pittman on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can use the big body in different ways. Ooh, if you want up the seam or, or different ways there, I think it's who's, Q, who's wide receiver one. Now, typically your wide receiver one is your outside receiver, but the guy I'm looking to the most, if I'm Sam Darnold in this situation, is Robert Woods. He's just always open. He's so smooth with it. He's, he's probably my favorite player that I've ever watched at USC during my time just because he's just silky. You, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. He's not anything. He doesn't win any category except being open all the time. Um, he just great routes, great everything, and friendly guy, you know, you know, one of the nicest people that you'll meet. Um, so that makes him that much more. Can't speak to the friendly part because I'd <laughs> never met him, but Robert Woods is also my, my answer, and he just said everything nice. uh, that needs to be said. Oh, and I would love if I was the, the safety or a cornerback in that scenario, I'm just pissing down my leg. <laughs> I'm just shaking and like a scared dog. Diving at legs. Just diving at legs over here. We got a question from our buddy Gustavo who said the running backs are running pretty well when given the chance. Who do you think? No. Do you think USC will have a thousand yard rusher this year looking at you, Keontae Ingram? So if you look at where USC sits right now, Keontae Ingram has 419 yards. The next closest is Vivaya at two with 222. Spoiler, this was actually a take it or leave it. Oh, Gustavo, same page with you. It's fine. You guys can answer it here. It was just take it or leave it. Keontae Ingram gets the 1,000-yard mark, rushing mark. What was that face, I'm Keely? thinking hard. It's hard because I don't think USC is going to jump out to leads. And like you've complained about, like once they feel like they're down, they just abandon the run. And so I don't know if Keontae will be afforded that opportunity necessarily. If he gets 14 carries like he's done the last three games, um, I think he will. If he averages 14 carries a game the rest of the season, I think he'll get there because he's getting at least 70 yards every game um, at, at 14 carries. And I think he'll have a couple where he's you know getting big yardage. But – it's going to be really close. Um, and then there's always the possibility of a running back injury. So, you know, it's it's hard to say that it's going to happen. I'm going to be optimistic and take it and say that Keontae does get there, even though if I was betting on it, I probably wouldn't. I don't think it was a take it or leave it, but I'm glad you took it. Well, he said I, it was take it or leave it. I, so. I made it a take oh, it or okay, leave it. Okay. A, a dual threaded there. Okay. I'm going to Your dual threat. leave it. I'm going to leave it. Okay. Just based on precedent and just how things are going. I'm going to leave it. She visual bitted and hand motioned. I gestured everywhere. Uh, We got a question from Esoteric Simpleton who said, I don't think Coach O makes sense as a head coach, but how likely would it be for him to return in some other capacity, defensive coordinator, D-line, recruiting coordinator, etc.? He has a lot of baggage right now. Yeah. Yeah, And didn't he come out and say he's not coaching in 2022? I don't know that I saw that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. There 
is a lot of tension to begin with with you with uh Kocho and USC, let alone to come back in a limited capacity. I don't think that would really go over well. And like Chris said, the whole baggage thing, I think this admin is very aware of that and does not like just baggage in general and like PR in general. And I don't think they would want to touch that. I don't know, but depending on the whoever the new head coach is, that might be somebody I'd reach out to. And now, obviously, you got to get your boss's approval in the athletic department uh, to do that. But at least reach out and say, hey, would you have any interest coming back? I know they did you dirty before. Let's make amends type of thing. But I think on Coach O's side, I think he kind of needs some time away to rehab the image. Um, and, you know, maybe that's if he wanted to come to L.A., maybe that's being, you know, someone on the support staff. You know, one of those, you know, the support, the video guys that Nick Saban does so well with, bringing in former head coaches and having them on the staff, uh, you know, being able to break down film and be an analyst uh, in, in behind the scenes type of thing. So he's not facing the public, facing the media all the time. He's a guy that's up in the booth or whatever during games. So his face isn't constantly there, but he could be contributing to a, an organization, a, a college football program still. I just had the image when you said video guy of just Coach O filming <laughs> one of the guys who films like the drills. Like what? No, he's he's actually up on the uh Yeah, that makes that lift. makes that makes it yeah. <laughs> Bellowing down. <laughs> Coach O, we can't hear you from there. Yeah. We definitely can't understand you. No, but I could see him, you know, as as a potential as an analyst behind the scenes. So um I think not necessarily at USC, but I think if he wanted to still be a part of the game next season, you I mean think Alabama. If he wanted to go to Alabama, I'm sure that Nick would take him. Nick, first name basis. <laughs> well, I'm not text, calling him text. Coach Saban like all the media there. <laughs> How dare you, Sean. Dion? Dion. <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing a bit like longer. No, because Dion Sanders walked away from his media availability at conference media day because someone called him Dion instead of Coach or Prime. <laughs> Why didn't you visual bit that, though? That would have been great. Coach Prime Dion. <laughs> that sounds like a Transformer. Just like... Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, we have one voluntarily take or leave it. A volunteered take or leave it that, Chris, I will leave it to you to take. We actually have two. Oh, we have two. Right, right, right. Because you got DM one as well. Well, on that note, Chris D, it's time to toss it over to you. It's time for some take or leave it. Meh. What does that what? Mean? Um, yeah, okay. I forgot to prep you guys for this, so we're just kind of winging it a little bit. Chris, don't don't pull the curtain back. No, I. It's usually there's no cr- curtain. It's it's a shower curtain and it's got <laughs> holes in it, and it's like Chris just goes shotgun to groove with whatever I say, and I go what, and then we start. <laughs> so, oh no, he's reaching into the bag. He's like Mary Poppins. You're Mary Poppins. Oh, or like seven. What's in the box? What's in the box? It's in the bag. It's much different. Oh, uh, the Brad Pitt? Yeah, much different. Movie reference that I got. Oh, crap. What is <laughs> um, going on here? Guys, you know, it's the bye week. We're, out of, we're out of the spotlight yes. a little bit. Do you guys ever, like, miss the fans, even though you guys are on a break or whatever? What? <laughs> Shotgun, have you ever, just put it this way, Shotgun, have you ever thought, I wish I could take our fans, you know, outside this little studio, outside of the little box in instant analysis? In the and bring them, so in, bring them into your world. 
Have you ever thought that? Nope. <laughs> I should have prepped you. Because same. <laughs> same in that yes, I have. So that's why we have a huge shout out to our latest FCS fake corporate sponsor. Ooh. Oh, no. I don't know what's happening right now. He's reaching into the bag again. I have to like play by play this. Yep. <laughs> He's strapped on a GoPro to his head. <laughs> it should be it should be blinking red. I can't hear myself. Uh, Twitch. Twitch is our new FCS. <laughs> so as you can see, I am live streaming point of view. Our new Twitch channel, the feud at the feud, where we will have exclusive real world. Sorry, just can't your good side. Real world uh, live streams. Wow. Here's just a taste of some of the exclusive content you can get. Uh, October 29th, uh, we will be live streaming Keely at Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, goodness. She me. will faint. <laughs> it guaranteed will happen. November 8th, Shotgun will be live streaming himself doing an oil painting of Keaton Slovis. <laughs> and you can live stream me tonight. As I make my dinner. And by make my dinner, I mean microwaving soup because that's all I can fucking eat right now. <laughs> good soup? Take good soup. Take Family Feud fandom to the next level and leave our privacy behind. <laughs> Twitch, you can legally watch people sleep on here. And we're the weirdos. Wow. All right, thank you to F. I'm trying to keep my, because I can't keep the thing on. Um, I hope it's. I it's hope recording. it's recording. Okay, the awesome. The red light is beeping. Awesome. No one, no one gave me any indicate. You're laughing like hyenas. Can't even give me a. <laughs> like, can't what? even give me a. You're all clear here. I got a lot of these, so let's just run through them. Uh, do you want to do the fan ones first, or do you want to do the corporate ones? You're, you're sure the director. Segment. Okay, let's just start with the fan ones. Michael Belzi, I think I said that right. Take it or leave it. USC beats Notre Dame on the road, but loses to Arizona. I see. I talked about this with Ryan. This is so USC. This is such a USC thing to do. Just complete opposite. What? So, so your answer is? Oh, sorry. I saw the camera at me. Like I was like, oh my god, he's still. Yeah, recording. we're live streaming. <laughs> no, we're not. Yes, we are. Goodness, that's called tunnel vision. Um. Oh goodness, I really want to tease this. Like want to tease everything. Sure, but this one in particular, I'm going to take this. Oh, look at that. Don't leave this. <laughs> They're not losing okay, Arizona, even yeah. if they beat can Notre I, Dame. No, it's on record. It's on no, record. It's no. already on the ether. You can't cut it. Oh no. Okay, so a take, yeah. hard take, and a leave. <laughs> I guess. This one went to me specifically. Steve Curry uh, at Scurry N. Uh, USC declines a bowl bid if they are eligible. I don't think it's in the in the same sphere that you can just decline it because of COVID issues. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to leave this one. I think they'll go. I'm going to leave it as well. Especially if it's the Bahamas Bowl. Shout well, to the they Bahamas They don't have Bowl. that connection, but especially if it's the Los Angeles Bowl, because then you don't really have much travel costs either. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Let's get into the corporate ones. Alrighty. Some of these are pointed toward looking towards the back end of the schedule. Okay. So, uh, Rajon Davis will start a game this season. Ooh, start. I'm going to take it. Ooh, spicy. I was thinking about it a little bit. Like randomly. Get, I'll bit. leave it. Okay. Got to get in rotation first before I'm willing to throw that in there. Okay. Yeah, six games. Uh, Ishmael Shopshire will get at least 
30 snaps against Notre Dame. Ooh. Leave it. I don't think he's conditioned for that yet. I'm going to leave it as well. Okay. But I will say he plays. Oh. That was too easy, so I had to go a little that bit. That was a take or leave it earlier, right? Uh, we've we've talked about who plays first, him or Jackson Dart. Maybe they come at the same time and it's a wash. Or and if Wait, they're going to come in, in the same play? So it's the Jackson Dart package with Ishmael Softshore as a fullback? Let's what, go. Chris? Or Jackson Dart as a linebacker. Oh, Look snap. at that. Snap. Uh, we will see a new, take it or leave it, we will see a new O-line arrangement against Notre Dame. I'm going to take this. Because we saw some tinkering. differences. Saw some tinkering. Yeah, and I asked with my beat report with Clay McGuire, I asked about it, and he said it was just cross-training guys. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. When Chris I'm just squaring her up. I can't really tell. <laughs> Chris has no idea where he's filming. Yeah, I don't. And then suddenly he forgets, and suddenly he remembers that he has a camera on his head, and so he'll be talking, and all of a sudden he just like swings around and like points his head camera at me. Um I asked Clem McGuire about it, and he said, you know, sometimes guys get hurt. And I think Cortland Ford was a little banged up. But I think they're going to mix a little bit, which is interesting just because McGuire has said, like, I wish we have our starting five at this point. And, like, no. But the fact that we saw more things and it was a bye week, I'm, like, doing a shotgun and talking myself into a whole circle about Mm -hmm. this. I'm going to take it. I've taught you well. I shall leave this. Okay. Drake London will be a unanimous All-American. Take it. Only twenty-seven in school history. I'm gonna take it. He will be the twenty-eighth. You're saying. Did he stutter? Nope. <laughs> take it or leave it. The final result for USC Notre Dame will be closer than any of the Stanford, Oregon State, or Utah losses. Leave it. Take it. Oh my goodness. Definitely gonna be closer than that. Uh, what? I see. Okay. Normally, I think I would take it, but. If there was like a PFF stat for like smackability, meaning like how smackability, give me a second to explain it. I'm waiting on this. Like, I like it. Resiliency, like you get smacked in the mouth a little bit. How do you come back and fight? You know, they had a good smackability rating against Washington State, and we haven't seen that since. High smackability. Okay. The thing is, I think it's gonna be closer because I don't think USC is gonna win by that much. Oh, I see what he did there. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure I'm getting all this. Stop recording. I'm live streaming it. No, you're not. Chris, you can explain to her if you like. He's picking them to win. You didn't take it back in the couple back ones. Because he didn't take it because it come with came with an or Arizona loss at oh, home. Oh, got it. Weird. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kalen Bullock will lead the team in interceptions. Where does he stand right now? One. Everyone's at one. I believe everyone is at one. Josh Jackson, two, because he got robbed of one. But True. everyone's at one going to the final six. I'm going to take it. I'm very just like, I'm just yeah. This is the most. Feel. I'm going to leave it. Oh, okay. I'm going to take Isaac Taylor Stewart. Oh, okay. Huh, okay. It's just my pick. We're keeping on that same theme. Corey Foreman will lead the team in sacks. Leave he's it. at 1.5. Oh. Drake's at three, and Drake's going to have more opportunities and produce more. He said it. Drake's getting a pressure uh, about 15% of the time, which is the best on the team. 
So there you go. Okay. USC will have at least one second team all Pac-12 selection at O-line at minimum. One second team? At least a second team selection. At least a second team. Yeah. I'm going to take it. I will take it as well. Voorhees? Yeah. That's who I'm looking at. At least a second team. Could be first team. Okay, and finally... Uh, our national 247 college reporter, Brandon Marcello, had an interesting tweet this weekend after the LSU parting ways with Coach O. He said, LSU kind of weird situation. calling LSU the top opening the top opening job in college football. And I quote, USC is not even a close number two. Oh, then what is number two? No, they are number two. Oh, but it's, it's not, not close. The, I am sounding difference. very dumb these last five minutes. Yes. Um, so are you taking or leaving that statement? This is interesting because we talked to Bruce Feldman about this last yesterday on the pod about like how last yesterday. yesterday. Guys, my brain Days is just go turning long out for her. as they had to do. Um, and I feel like it's more of a re- <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris's like intense filming face is so funny to me. I feel like it's more of a rebuild. It's just my face because my face is doing the filming, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think it's more of a rebuild than I think USC. It, yes, USC then is an anticipated. And I think it goes back to your stock up that you had shotgun about visible deficiencies, like things that we warned were going to make an impact in a negative way are actually happening. And so to, and I argued this with, with Ryan is like, yeah, can you work your way to, can you work the conference to your favor where you end up in a Pac-12 championship, you win that, you get to a higher bowl game, et cetera? Yeah, but can you build a foundation of, like, we're going to get to the CFP and not get smacked around? I think that takes much longer. And so it depends on what the coach wants. I don't, I'm roundabout right now, but... She's that, losing it. Is that take it or leave it? I, I'm actually going to leave it because I think... LSU, the expectations are so high and the 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 leash is so short that like look at Coach O. Won a national championship two years ago, you know? And That's I think I think it'll seem better to a coach who wants to prove himself. I'm talking in circles right now. I'm leaving it. That's my choice. Yeah, that was a big roundabout there. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. Um I'm going to leave it because the difference is it's easier to win in the Pac-12 than in the SEC West where Nick Saban still resides. Mm -hmm. And now maybe they go out and get Jimbo Fisher, but Jimbo Fisher is also there. I think he's going to do a good job with the Texas A&M program. Arkansas, I think, is on the rise. Ole Miss is doing well with Lane Kiffin. So there's not a bunch of teams you can beat up on. In in the West, you know, you can beat up on Mississippi State right now. That's about it. Um, so I think there's just a much tougher job there, and with the expectations, like Keeley said. But I think Kojo wouldn't have been run out if it was there wasn't a lot of other things going on besides just the on field performance. So um, I think it, it, the USC is a more favorable job in, in that regard because you're in a fertile recruiting ground. You are the premier program in the West, and if you act like it. You should take over the Pac-12 once again. Maybe you're competing with Oregon every year or someone from the north, but you should be the team from the south that should be dominating 
with the natural advantages that you have in the historic uh, tradition and everything else at USC. But uh, we'll see if the next coach comes in and actually provides all those things. Chris is like, I just wanted the slow zoom. Yeah. I wanted to make it cinematic. Because <laughs> I saw him rounding that point. I was like, oh, this is good. This is a good shot. This is a good shot. I just like how Chris is holding his headphones. Like well, it's good. I can't put them. Wait. Oh. <laughs> Oh. I wish there was someone recording you right now because this uh, is incredible. I'm embarrassed, but I'm but I'm holding my head high, mainly because the camera is on here and I must show the world what is happening. Uh, those are my corporate ones. Thank you, Twitch. Again, you can uh, check our Twitch channel at The Feud and see our full slate of events and scheduled live streams. Uh, shotgun, looking forward to that painting I'm not any type of artist i have no artistic ability at it's all it's gonna be a big old stick figure with no a musical ability at all with a football nice. with a football yes yeah. uh let's run through some fun ones uh, i have quite a list but it's not as daunting as it seems uh all of them since i'm sticking on the halloween theme so we're gonna run through some uh candy uh but first something we discovered you just showed me right before this program started uh that i want to start with uh, UNLV has recently obtained, uh, obtained, <laughs> purchased, <laughs> <seized> purchased <laughs> a sideline turnover hype slot machine where you ka-ching it and it wins every time. <laughs> which apparently is difficult to do. Which apparently is difficult to do. So taking or leaving the UNLV sideline slot machine. I'll that cost sixty thousand dollars. It cost sixty thousand dollars, <laughs> which is the part that is mind blowing to me because they don't pay their coaches that well. There, they they are one of the low end um, as far as the investments they've made in the program. Now they they have made some investments recently. They have a new um, facility that just opened up this year, I believe. Sixty thousand dollars for a sideline prop? Are you telling yeah. me that's Ooh, not an investment? That is we're talking about <laughs> on this national podcast. We're talking about it. That is true. Valid point. That's way too much money all right so you're, you're leaving the price tag but you're taking the oh, yeah. idea Cha-ching. come on i want to see connor murphy i want him to throw the helmet mm. off the mullet flying yeah. after a big sack or sack fumble uh, i want that to happen um and you know maybe clayton bradley after a big pancake block he's come over the sideline so two former usc players are at unlv unfortunately that's a winless team i think you said chris Ooh. Yeah. i don't i don't know if i said that ryan, ryan <laughs> said that sorry no cha-ching there all right Candy, Halloween themed, October. I re- I found a list of the top ten rated worst candies. Worst candies. So they're top rated worst. Yes, okay. these are the top ten worst rated candies. We're starting from ten to the number one. You're just gonna take it or leave this candy. Okay, okay? let's go. Leave it's just it. gonna be quick and quick and painless. Leave it. All wow. right. And if you have a connection to this candy, you can let me know. Okay. Because I got one. I'm gonna let you know about. All right. Okay. Number ten, Baby Ruth. It's all right. Like it's like you're you're in the b- bottom of the bag after Halloween, mm. and you're like, I want something. Okay, I guess I'll have. A so you're root. taking it. You're begrudgingly taking it. It's like a if desperation it's desperation take. Okay, yes. okay. That's not a desperate. I'll take it because it's named after Babe Ruth for one. A classic baseball answer. nerd. Okay. Yeah, it's my dad's favorite candy bar. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's on camera. That was on live. Spooky season. Spooky season. You just dropped the mic and it sounded like a ghost screeching <laughs> in the distance. He was like, I want the baby room. Um, I hope you keep that in. Yeah, I will. Uh, okay, moving on. Fun dip. 
take it. Oh, take Love it. Love fondant. Ooh, no. Too much <laughs> sugar. No. It's, it's just that's the point. No, just too much. <laughs> Did you much. did you use the stick or did you just pour it straight in? Oh, no. you're a you you're are, a straight pour boy. You, nope. Yeah, you are. Nope. I was all about the lies. Stick. Oh, yep. what? No, I can't see that. <laughs> I cannot see it at all. No. Yep. I'm surprised you guys are both two for two on these. Okay, fun dip. Almond Joy, take it. Oh, interesting. Is that the one with the coconut in it? Yes. Yep. And milk chocolate instead of dark chocolate. Oh, okay. I'll take that. I can Mound, eat that. Mounds is the same, except it doesn't have the almond and it's dark chocolate. Big candy guy. <laughs> no. Big candy expert. Three for three. Good and plenty. Oh, I don't know what that's, that one is, that's right? the licorice, right? No, no, those the are pink and white. The box is pink. I thought they were like Mike and Ike's, but you no, could no. be. They're Mike and Ike, except they're licorice, right? Yes. They're okay. Yes, yes. So, leave, yes. Leave. Okay. Leave as well. Oh, first one. You guys are lockstep right now. Look at this. Tootsie Rolls. Oh, take. Oh, I thought you were going to go leave on I'm that. I'm a big Tootsie Roll gal growing up. That okay. was my thing. I'm okay with Tootsie Roll, especially in 1992 with the dance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tootsie Roll. I don't know where you're going with that, but I, but I found oh, it. Oh, that's before your time. Yeah. And she knew the song. I was How one. How does that work? <laughs> I was one. Take it. We've entered the top five, there. ladies and germs. Okay, okay. Uh, peppermint Patty. Oh. Leave it. Wait. Like York? Yes. Oh, take it. I don't like peppermint. Peppermint <laughs> makes me sneeze, but I'll... I'll sneeze? I'll so endure. weird. What is it, pepper to you? <laughs> I don't There's know no why. pepper in peppermint. It, it is there? It makes me sneeze. Oh, my God. Is there? I don't know. I don't like mint-flavored stuff, so... Outside of actual circular peppermints. Those are okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, number four, Tootsie Roll Pop. Take. Oh, take that the as classic well. Classic yeah. owl commercial. Yeah. How many licks does it take to get this? I was shocked to see this up there. I don't know. Yeah, what is that about? I don't know. Okay. Maybe the commercial's annoying. Huh. Number three, candy corn. Leave. Okay, this is gonna Hard be so controversial. No. This is gonna be so this is controversial. For Sean Rose. I was in about particular. to say Leave. He's gonna come for us, but I'm leaving it. It is wax little bits. That don't Wax classify as candy. You heard me. We're not talking about like my little bits on this show. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're not. It's just I don't yeah. I don't get it. I I try to like it. I just I can't. All candy is artificial, but it's the most artificial candy you can like yes. think of. Yes. Uh, peeps are up there too. Oh, but peeps oh, are good. Yeah. That's about to be on this list? No. There's some Halloween peeps. Those are terrible. Oh, leave. That was like just so sad, just so <laughs> smushed. Just Volunteering the... your own yeah. take or leave it. Uh, number two, Butterfingers. I Butterfinger used to be my favorite candy bar, so I would still take it because I can only eat it in the small fun size. It just gets way too stuck in my teeth. Um, I hate Butterfingers. I don't think I have enough experience with Butterfinger to have a full like take on this, but I think I'm going to leave it. No one lays a hand on my Butterfinger. Bart Simpson. Classic. Classic line. Classic. Not a good candy. Classic advertisement. Got me. This is number one, and I didn't really know what this is, so maybe you guys have more experience. Uh, Necco wafers? Oh, that is a good, bad number one. I don't know what those are. No, they're like little, like, like coins. She just stuck her like, tongue out and was like, <laughs> oh, I got on camera. Uh, <laughs> they're basically like cardboard like coins. Can- with a no, hint no. Of flavor. They're basically like candy tums. 
Yeah. No, Tums taste better than Necco wafers. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a what is this? is this like a regional thing? Is this like all over? I've never heard of these. What? We're gonna get you Necco wafers for the next pod, and you're gonna have a live tasting. Ugh. It's horrible. I Necco That'll wafers. That'll be the next live stream. Yeah, Necco wafers and um, Nilo wafers are like the same category in my mind. They're just like discs of bleh. Nilo wafers, wafers are good. What? No. Okay. Well, one's the, a cookie. The caveat is that one time. The hell are those? I just showed Chris a picture of Necco that wafers. That looks like Play-Doh. No, it looks like Tums. Is what it looks. Yes, like. Yes, but it candy Tums. The, looks like the dried Play-Doh. True. It's not very good. Yawn. Oh, four, four, um, and that's it, guys. Thank you for running wow. through those lists with me. You guys are pretty lockstep all the way. I have a couple other candy questions here. Okay, you that's can just throw them out. You already started me on this. Yeah, okay. right. wait. Tootsie Roll Pops or Blow Pops? Both. I think I'm a Tootsie. Both? No, it's either or. <laughs> uh, tootsie. Tootsie Roll. Just because of the Pop. iconic commercial with the owl. Mm. Marketing really got you. Big owl. <laughs> Big pop. <laughs> okay. Big. Big pop, yeah. <laughs> Big lollipop. And then how do you feel about Smarties? No. I don't like a chalky candy. That's similar to Necco Literally wafers. Necco wafers. Okay, well, thank you Smarties for Smarties are a little bit know. better, though. Smarties are okay. It's like a... With the necklace? Hit or miss. Wait, <laughs> are those... No, those are different, right? Yeah, those are different. Uh, and then sweet tarts versus shock tarts. What are the difference? One shocking. Okay, one okay. sweet, <laughs> one sour. Neither. Shock tarts have a, like a harder outside candy shell than sweet tarts as well. Not about it. Sweet tarts are my favorite candy. So. Oh, interesting. Oh, is that the necklace? No. It's not the necklace. <laughs> What's the necklace then? It's a candy necklace. I don't okay. know what they're called. We need to find out the substance of the, the candy necklace. Um, is this also when I yell and want? Yeah. If you want. And what? Oh. Wow. Yeah? What? celebrity would you want to take a cross-country trip with? Beyonce, done. Thanks for listening to the Family Feed Podcast. That'd be, be terrible, actually. That would be terrible? Shotgun Sprattling, I'm going to send you to the moon. Are you saying... Don't start. For the sanctity picking, of our friendship, you you're, better you're not picking, say anything. Picking Beyonce is you terrible? You better not. No. Have Beyonce as your cross-country. Shotgun oh, Sprattling. no. The few just got real. Oh, it was all a bit. Now it's, it's not real. It's going down. I'm scared. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, he can, he doesn't even have an answer. Cannot be dead. So we're doing only a lot. Mm. I'm, not, I'm limiting that a little bit. Beyonce, you're doing it. It's great. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> What's with these motions? These Beyonce motions over here. Yeah. Um. My first thought was Matthew McConaughey, but I feel like that would get old real quick. In a Buick? Well, of course, because free sponsorship. <laughs> so I don't really have a great answer. Beyonce or Oprah or Adele are my three choices. Okay. If Beyonce is not available. Hey, this is a, a decisive mood right. for me right now. I really got nothing. You got Shotgun, nothing. You're so not even like an athlete? Oh my goodness. He's stumped. Let's go like Obama or something. <laughs> I don't know. I just think he'd be an interesting person to pick his brain. Because that's I'm, that's what I think this whole trip is about is who's interesting <laughs> to pick their <laughs> pick their brain trip. for a for a cross country trip. Also, who's gonna do some driving? 
Mm. I'm gonna do like eighty percent of the driving. That's normally my cost. You just need that. You just need that little twenty percent push. Yeah, huh. it's a good point. It's a great point. Great point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Sorry. It's and okay. yet you criticize me. Well, That's your amazing. answer's not good. Oh, oh my gosh. Ooh. Anyway, this is gonna go sideways real quick. How do you think riding in a vehicle with Beyonce? She's used to being in like limos and private she jets all the time. She's a down times. to earth girl. Shotgun. She's going to ride in your your uh, Honda Accord. Okay, maybe we have good music. <laughs> Let me be. She's only going to want to listen to her music. That's great. Which I understand that that's fine with you. That would be really terrible for me. That's why it's not your pick. It's my pick. Still a bad pick. Oh my goodness. Well, that's it for me. <laughs> Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up. We have a rivalry matchup to cover this week. USC heads to South Bend. Oh, I thought you were talking about me and you still going at it. Oh, that's just all season long. (laughs) (laughs) Are you you wrapping me up right now? That's going (laughs) to wrap it up for the Family Feud Podcast. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely. Oh, and that's Chris. Sorry, Chris. We'll see you next time. Bye. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!